Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. And I'm telling you, today will be a day you will not forget. I don't care where you're coaching, what sport you coach, what level you coach, men, women, it don't matter. You're going to talk to one of the best coaches in the world in any sport. And I'm going to let you hop on the must bus and be with us. Eric Musselman, the head coach of the University of Arkansas, Elite Eight, two years in a row, one of the very best basketball coaches in the world, a friend of mine for over 30 years. He will give you some... <laughs> So access behind the scene that you never see before. And I'm telling you, you'll walk away energized. We did a session with him, and then we did an hour off the thing with him. I've still got goosebumps. After this timeout, you'll be back with Coach Eric Musselman. I'm so excited to announce our new partner, Instat. Instat is a powerful web-based platform which enables you to store edit and share video linked to statistics. Their video database contains over 30,000 player profiles and nearly 7,000 team profiles. Thousands of basketball games from all over the world are uploaded daily, with many of them filmed exclusively by Instat. Instat's user-friendly interface is very intuitive. The flexible filtering system will fit the needs of coaches at all levels. You can sort through specific play types, locations on the court, lineups, and various other parameters. The Instat system contains multiple tools that clients from all over the world utilize for scouting, recruiting, coaching and player development, video editing, and tagging. They also take an individual approach to each client. The wide network of Instat account representatives allow Instat to best serve their clients 24-7. Also, Instat production specialists will provide you with a quick and precise breakdowns of your team and opponents in less than 10 hours. Need a certain game ready sooner? Instat gives you the ability to prioritize the specific games you want the data for first. Instat also provides free individual player access, So feel free to invite your players to the Instat platform so they can access their page, follow their performance, scout opponents, and share clips with other players and coaches. After each game, they can receive an individual one-page PDF report and video clips with all box score statistics. For more details, please visit our official website, instatsport.com forward slash basketball, and apply for a free one-month trial using code coaching you live again that code is coaching you live contact eric stang at eric.stang at instatsport.com for more information on this offer as well and that's e-r-i-c period s-t-a-n-g at i-n-s-t-a-t sport.com or click the link in our show notes Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and my guest today is my buddy, my man, the must bus. I am a passenger and have been for years. Uh, Eric Musselman, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, Brendan. How are you? Uh, I'm probably second to you this year. I, I've had a good year, but you've had an incredible year. I'm so proud of you, man. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. We have had, we have had some fun and I think, uh, you know, like what happens first, the fun or the winning or the winning and the fun? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I remember when, uh, I went back to, uh, run the Pistons with D- Dumars took over as president. 
Joe had just finished playing, so he didn't know how to do a contract, how to hire coaches, how to draft players. So I went in to run that, left the CBA, as you remember, to do that. And uh, all of a sudden, the Pistons attendance, you know, when we I first went there, we sold out every game every year uh, with Chuck. And, you know, we had fair, pretty good teams. And now all of a sudden, they were averaging 7,000 a game. At the time when we were winning world championships, the marketing guys thought the reason a palace was filled was because of them. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, there were 7,000 games. They were blaming the coaches, right? So I, I found out how that shit worked, okay? So, <laughs> so here's the deal now. Winning is marketing, okay? So could you have ever dreamt when Hunter offered you the job a couple, three, 19, 2019 that – what would ever, ever in your wildest dreams, and we all dream as coaches, what would happen? Not really, you know, because in, in yeah. reality, coach, it was like, a, you know, it was a new thing to coming to the SEC. Obviously, I had spent, you know, the one year um, at LSU, but but it was, you know, it was, it was new, really, because I was four years removed from, from being a part of LSU's program and, and have spent the majority of my life, obviously, on the West coast. So there was a lot of unknowns, both from Hunter's, you know, standpoint, as well as my own um, kind of a leap of faith on both ends. But to think that, you know, we could be in two elite eights and, and sold out, you know, we were sold out coach last year in like September, 20,000 seats completely sold out, um, you know, really eight weeks before we were even about to play a non-conference game. So the excitement at Arkansas, really, really high with our fan base for sure. You know, I put, I coached there two years after I took your spot at LSU. Thanks for leaving me that job. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and it was the most intimidating building I've ever played in, including the NBA. I mean, it was just the fans were insane in a nice way. Uh, and it was intimidating as hell. I, I can't imagine a road team in college being able to handle that, you know, and, and the passion they have for the Razorbacks hog nation. It's incredible, huh? It really is coach. I mean, like our softball team um, just advanced in the NCAA tournament and even, you know, the, the environment for softball, you can, when you're in that crowd, which, which Danielle and I went the other night, like you can sense we were, we were there when they were playing Princeton and anytime you know, the manager went out to talk uh, on the pitching mound or you could feel like the intimidation factor take place with an opposition. And it's the same thing. Our baseball team, um, Coach Van Horn and his team do an incredible job. But the environment at Walker Stadium is you can feel it was so interesting. I, last year they played New Jersey Institute Technology and I got to know their coaches a little bit. And I said, hey, really, what is it like um, when you're making a, a pitching change? And he said, it's unlike anything we've ever experienced. And so I do think when, when you're an opposing team uh, and you're coming to Arkansas and they're calling the hogs, it's – well, first of all, that calling the hogs is just something you don't experience except at Arkansas. It's not like it's right. normal booing going on. Um, or cheering, so it is really unique, and it's 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 awesome to be a part of it. Uh, while you're an Arkansas coach, I can tell you that. Let me ask you. You know, I, I you know, 
you know, you're a pro, you're a pro coach. You know, since you were 22, you started as a GM, and then you became a coach at 23 in the CBA, which is still the hardest league I've ever coached in. <laughs> Forget the SEC and the NBA. The you know, coaches in the CBA at the time. Incredible! All of them are NBA coaches, right? And so you know, every, you know the first all the NBA refs in the finals. The, they're all my guys. They're all my guys. <laughs> and, and 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 it's the training ground was incredible. Uh, the quarter points, uh, you know, all that stuff. And then you come in, you you know, you coach in the USBL, which is like, I love that league because it was a summer league for pro players, really, and. And for the guys that the, the people, the young coaches that we have, who are, I call my microwave coaches, okay, who want to be uh, the head coach of Arkansas after going to two coaching you clinics or listening to a podcast. Uh, in the USBL, I, I somehow I'm fixated on the number of 30 to 37 uh, games you would play in the summer. Tell the folks what. Tell these young ass coaches what your record was in the USBL uh, each year. Well, uh, two, so we in the two years at the Florida Sharks, we played. Uh, I think it was thirty games, not counting the playoffs. And uh, right, the one year we were, uh, I think we were twenty nine and one, and the other year twenty eight and two. And that year, I'm still pissed off at those two losses. <laughs> And for anybody that can remember Charles Smith, who played at Georgetown and then played for the Celtics for a little bit, Smitty, will, he'll still text me, you know, I don't know, 20 years later, whatever it is, he'll still text me and say, hey, coach, I'm sorry about those, you know, 80-some minutes that we let you down over the course of the season. Because <laughs> we really had a goal. I thought we could go undefeated that year. Um, Henry Bibby got us one time. Um, I forget who he – we lost uh, – I forget who the other team was, too, but um, we did not get a good whistle, I promise you, those two nights. Oh, yeah. Those guys, you know, you know, the referees in the NBA make gigantic salaries, and the guys that refed in the USBL or in the CBA, they got burgers and a beer at the bar, you know, wherever the game was being played. I mean, it was – but the competition was incredible. The number one thing coaching against you and with you, um, your strength as a coach, I always felt was your competitive nature. How did you channel that from coaching pros, the best pros, fabulous pros, at the, all the teams you coach, to then go into the college level? Well, I think that, you know, the competitive aspect, coach, probably, you know, like I think with all of us, like our greatest strength can op often be our greatest weakness as well. And, um, you know, the competitive nature at the NBA level, when you're playing 82 games, um, you know, you, you've got to learn and coach daily, as you know, better than anybody, Brennan was probably the best at, at manipulating an 82 game season. Um, you know, I think in college you can, you can push, you can drive, you can, uh, your competitive nature can come out a little bit more or not a little bit more, a lot more, coaching college players and it can at the NBA level. But I, the one thing that I feel so fortunate is that I got to coach grown men, um, professionals before I coached student athletes um, because I have a completely different perspective on how I coach our team. I try to treat them like pros. 
Um, for, in other words, if we're getting ready to go on a team meal, I have conversation with the players. Where do you guys want to eat? What type of food? And it just doesn't happen with most colleges. They, you know, there's more of a partnership here at Arkansas than what the outside world would would view. And that's because of my NBA background. I mean, you know better than anyone, Coach, that you've got to – it's got to be a partnership uh, with your team in order to get the biggest and highest buy-in. The college coaches that I consult with around the country when I go in and speak to their teams and I sit then with their assistant coaches to try to help them uh, because there's not a lot of development that happens because of focus on recruiting, academics, fundraising, all the things that you don't, we're in the pros, everything's basketball. Uh, and I tell them that, you know, when you really be at the pinnacle of coaching is when you have a, a business partnership between your players and and your and yourself as a staff, and and that's exactly what you were saying. I worked for UB and Mike Fratello. Mike called the other day, by the way, and uh, and he said, uh, and they they didn't ask the players what they thought; they told them what they're thinking. <laughs> and and they're both two of the biggest influences I've had in my life. I go up there with Chuck, who I've known since I'm 14 years old, and first day I'm, he says, "I put in the." Go in this, do the scout. And I say, okay, the Knicks run this kind of wing pick and roll. And I said, we're going to hedge. Chuck says, I just told you to put the play in. <laughs> and he said, I, I said, okay. And he go and he stops. And he says, Isaiah Lambeer, how do you want to defend that? And I, it's the first time it's ever happened to me. Really? After 10 years in the league. And that's the way we did it from then on. And, 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 you know, to be honest with you, coach, that's how we do it here. I mean, I'll go down and say, hey, here's what I think a plan A will be on pick and roll coverage. Here's a plan B and here's a plan C. Now, you guys tell me if you want to change the order of this, meaning how do we want to start the game? What's our first adjustment? And then what would be our third adjustment as the game unwinds? And that's straight from from being around Coach Daly. Yeah. And and it makes total sense because they'll take ownership of their own idea, right? And and, and, and really, uh, they're smarter than us. We don't want to admit it, but way smarter. Especially if you're playing a team a second time, they're the ones that are out there on the floor. So if you're in a conference game, they're the ones understanding, you know, how physical is the screen that I've got to get through, under, over. And so I think you've got to, you know, you've got to get, you know, feedback from those guys to to get the biggest buy-in. Eric, and I love that you went in, I started out in college coaching with Vital at Detroit and then five years in a smaller school. And then before I got to the pros after six years of college coaching. So I went ass backwards kind of. I love the way you went about it. Um, But now I think this is the critical thing I always come to every year and I ask coach, why do you coach? I mean, why I do coach, you coach for a lot of reasons. I think, you know, number one, coaching in college, you can have an impact on players um, in, in several different ways. I think number one, through player development, you can help a player grow and reach his game and take his game to a, to a new level that maybe he didn't even know he could get to. Um, you can have an impact on, um, like one of the great things of former players can say when they're gone is, 
you know, you prepared me. I understood what it meant to be on time. I understood what it meant to have discipline. I understood. And they can carry that with them, you know, for the rest of their lives. Like nobody's ever late at Arkansas for anything because you don't want the repercussions of what it means to be late. Um, and, right. and so I think that there's so many reasons why I love to coach, but then just selfishly why I coach is because it's like a, there's nothing better than watching a team grow uh, and improve throughout the course from the summer, you know, to, to September when you, when school starts back up and then you can watch a team grow from November until March. And to me, that's a great, greatest thing ever is just to watch a team go from point a to point b c d and so on you know i think also eric i think it's like being a parent uh you know when we all get married then all of a sudden you know uh, we we love the you know the gal we married and everything but then all of a sudden the child comes in the world you know matthew and michael and now mariah and all of a sudden your life flips now it's all about the kids yep and it's the same thing it's Coaching is about your players. It's not about – if it's about you, number one, two, and three, I think you're dead in the water, you know. Can't. And, uh, it, yeah, I think, I think it's really, really powerful for that to – and I think a lot of coaches, unfortunately, have it backwards, you know. When you uh, – what did – I remember last year, you know, we went and uh, I think we said LSU came and saw your shoot around and everything and uh, love what you do and everything – and you proceeded to go out and get your ass whipped last that night. Just got crushed by LSU. Then you get crushed by Alabama. Okay, and I'm saying, I found religion. I was starting to go back to the Catholic Church, and I'm finally saying, oh, man, my man Eric, oh, I, I'm feeling for him. Something's wrong. And, 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 you know, that's when, as a coach, you can be on the verge of losing a team, right? And, and it seems that every time that happens, and it should happen almost in every coach's year there's going to be uh peaks and valleys how do you go about getting them back well i remember that practice that that both you were at coach as well as zach and it was it honestly it was one of the best shoot arounds i've ever been a part of <laughs> i told you that i thought it was great the energy level was through the roof uh the guys talking the guys focused on the game plan um and you're right like we got down 20 so quickly um, and that was two years ago. And then when we got back from that trip, you know, I made a decision that we were going to pull out weighted vests. We were going to close out with bricks. And one of the assistant coaches made a really good point. He was like, hey, we're going to have no legs when we go to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama. And I said, yeah, I know, but they're never going to forget this practice. And we went and got crushed <laughs> at Alabama. We had no legs. I mean – you were both right. <laughs> but you know what? We, uh, it was like it was a turning point. And then this, yeah. this past year, it was the same thing. We, same thing. Horrific. And we were 0 3. We lost to Vanderbilt at home. We lost to Texas AM at Texas AM. We lost to Mississippi State. Um, and a couple games before that, we actually lost, you know, to a former player of mine, Speedy Claxton. Hofstra played us in Little Rock. Which is three yep, I remember that. Away and we lost in front of a sold out building there. And I didn't, you know, where's the season going to go? Well, what we did is, hey, we're relentlessly going to keep pursuing what our goals are. We're not going to hang our heads. We're going to be tougher than we've ever been. We, we amped our practice up. 
we, we tweaked our starting lineup both years. Um, and I thought that that really helped us as well. And what it did sometimes coach when, and you know this, that when you let your team, all right, so this is who you guys think you are. And this is what you think your role should be. Another Chuck Daly lesson, go out here right. and maybe fail. And now you can come back and we're going to tell you exactly what your role is going to be. Cause you got to play this position you thought you were. You got to have this offensive freedom. All right, now we took a couple losses. Now we're going to do what I say. Um, and so it's. I think that only a guy that's coached professionally can have that mentality because there's only 30 games in college. In the NBA, you can have these learning lessons and still re, you know, turn your season around, but I found you can also do that in college. You can take a loss or two to – to try to, you know, get your team back and get them on the right path. Yeah, Mus is talking a lot about Chuck Daly, and uh, we both work for him in Orlando and love him to death and uh, miss him on a daily basis. And uh, one of the things, I, I when I went to Detroit, uh, like a, two months after, I, or a few weeks after I went there, we're playing the Lakers at, in the palace on national TV and get our ass whipped. I mean, just crushed. And I never, never forget this, Chuck. We had, we did have practice facilities like we have now. We practiced at Oakland university, which was like a, you know, you've been there. It's like a high school gym. And I remember they had a little uh, chalkboard up on the wall and we, he went over to that and he drew a court, a, a court and he put chairs, X's where the chairs were baseline X's and he put something over here up in the stands. And, and I have no idea what the hell he's doing. And, and all of a sudden he says, this is the court yesterday. This is our bench. You see this part rear on the baseline. That's where the owner sat. You see this over here. That's where the general manager sat. They don't, either one of them don't like me, but they couldn't even blame me yesterday for the way you guys played. (laughs) And he said, so you decide. They had lost in the finals the year before by two. He says, decide where you want to take the season. Because obviously, I don't know. And he was so self-deprecating like that, you know. And he knew how to push buttons. And I said, how, how do you ever think of that stuff? He says, just comes to me. It wasn't like a plan. He didn't read it in a book. So you have to try that stuff, you know, and I, I, I think he was, I just think of the things that he did and it was just the first time we ever put in uh, the Jordan rules after a playoff game, it was Isaiah's ideas. He brought it to me. I told Chuck, I think it's great. We had the two best defensive players in the world on our team, Dumars and Rodman. And uh, Chuck says, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Is it? They're not going to work. You know, he tells the whole team that. Jordan had 47 the night before and beat us by one. And uh, he says, this is the stupidest thing I ever did. We're not doing that. You got great defensive players here. You just got to play better. And then uh, the players begged to do it, except Dumars and Rodman. They were pissed at them thinking they needed help. And sure enough, Chuck said, it's not going to work. If you want to try it, you can try it, but it's not going to work. And, you know, we won three straight games because they bought into it. They were committed to making it work. And he told them it wouldn't work. To this day, he probably is up in heaven saying, I told you that shit wouldn't work, you know. <laughs> you know, and I, I love that about him. That, that's the coaching stuff that, Eric, you know, your dad was the same way, man. 
You know, your dad used to call me up. You were probably in bed as a 10-year-old. He'd call me up. He'd ask me questions about guys in the NBA, and I'd, I'd tell him, I'd say, why is he calling me? He's so much smarter than me. But he just wanted someone else to talk to about some of that stuff, and I, I think those guys are the smartest guys in the world, you know. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Coaches, are you looking to take your game preparation to the next level? Then Fast Model Sports is the perfect coaching software for you. With FastDraw, build an organized library of plays and drills and create professional playbooks to share with your players and staff. You can also download over 9,500 free plays and drills from our playbank directly to your FastDraw account. Looking for a better way to build your scouting reports and want to include video? With FastScout, build custom scouting report templates to prepare your team best for each individual opponent. Plus, did you know with the latest updates from Fast Model Sports, you can now include video with your FastScout reports and share with your coaches and staff all within the FastScout mobile app. The combination of FastDraw and FastScout is by far the best way for you and your coaches to create winning game strategies and effectively communicate them to your team. Over 10,000 high school and youth coaches trust Fast Model Sports products to help their teams reach their goals. To order, go to FastModelSports.com. Use code COACHINGU15 to get 15% off any FastDraw or FastScout products. Remember, Go to FastModelSports.com, use code COACHINGU15 to get 15% off any Fast Draw and Fast Scout products. Uh, talk about, for a guy that, you know, you're a pro coach, you can't recruit. I know that. So how did you luck into recruiting? <laughs> Can you see my New Jersey sarcasm coming out now? Uh, so how did uh, you become a good recruiter overnight, you know, over since you became a college coach at Nevada and uh, at Arkansas, and even at Arizona State. I mean, the the amazing thing is, Coach, there's so <laughs> little respect for uh, the professional level in the college game. Um, both with coaches right. um, that are college coaches and college athletic directors, they 
Athletic directors also. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's really mind boggling. I mean, I could go on and on story after story about interviews or interviews I couldn't get because you have no quote unquote recruiting skills. And like, how hard is it? Do you think to coach an NBA team? Like how convincing do you have to be to get a team to listen to you? And they all make more money than you. Like, obviously you've got to be able to, you know, have some type of convincibility with, with, with your delivery or whatever. Um, and then to think about free agency. Um, and, and obviously, you know, one of my jobs coach when I was worked, you know, for you and coach Daly was to kind of be a, a little bit of a, of a gap between coach Daly and John Gabriel, the general manager, whether it was calling up minor league players or, um, you know, that one summer there, you know, the, there was a plan on how to get Tim Duncan and, and, and Grant Hill. So, Think about that recruiting that went on for a year and a half prior to even when they were going to be free agency. And what restaurants were you going to take those guys to? What's their favorite food? How are you going to fly them into Orlando? What hotel were they going to like all these things that go into free agency? And it was the same thing when I was with the Warriors and we tried to convince Gilbert Arenas uh, not to leave when he was going to make way more money. Um, because of the way the salary cap and being a second round pick. So there's all these things that you had to recruit at the professional level that nobody ever thinks about and they have no respect for. Yeah. So the thing I thought, I remember we spoke about this when you went to Nevada and you said, you know what, I'm going to stay in my strengths and I'm going to treat recruiting like we would in the NBA with draft, which was the freshman you know, recruiting there, um, and trades and free agency, which were transfers. And why did you opt for transfers when you went to Nevada? Yeah, so I think to me it was really simple. It was, um, you know, looking at NBA drafts, you know, there's some there were some great draft picks, and then there's other times where they don't work out. And I felt like right. instead of trying to swing for the fences or strike out, um, my first, this is my first opportunity as a head coach at the collegiate level. I just wanted to get singles or doubles. I just wanted to get on base. Um, and then I thought through coaching and player development, we could win enough games. Um, and so to me, the, the transfers that had division one experience, uh, were, were the safest thing for a first time college head sure. coach. Because I knew that maybe, you know, I wasn't going to have as, as, as long of an opportunity if there wasn't success. Because I, I knew that it would be, you know, easy to blame my pro background on why maybe you didn't win in year one and two. So I felt tremendous, tremendous amount of internal pressure at Nevada my first and second year. And just felt like, you know, maybe a freshman was going to take more time to develop. And then... The other thing, Brendan, is I wanted to be able to beat Pac-12 schools right away. And I knew that I couldn't beat Pac-12 schools for high school players. I knew that at Nevada, with no college experience, how was I going to get a high school player to really a four or five star to buy into, like, you know, there's Arizona State you're competing with, UCLA, USC, Washington. Sure. How are, so I felt like the transfers, and, and not a lot of people were doing it at that time. Um, right. So that was kind of the philosophy of, hey, let's take uh, 
the equivalent of an NBA mid-level player, which is what you could get at Nevada, as opposed to an NBA lottery pick freshman. So that's the kind of the route we went is let's get like five mid-level type guys uh, that had, you know, maybe four or five years NBA experience. That was what our thought process was going on in our recruiting room, which we call the draft room. <laughs> I love it. You know, so I would, the good thing about, I got to watch all the games on TV because you'd always be on CBS late night, you know, and, and stuff and or ESPN at late night, mostly CBS sports. And, and I fell in love with your team and the way you played, but the, I love the Martin twins and still do, you know, and it's such a great thing the way those guys have made it, you know, but you knew it back then what they were about. It was, it's really like when, when to hear you talk about them and bring them up, coach is so cool. Cause so they, they sat out a year coming from NC state. Uh, right. Then they had a great year. The first year they played uh, Caleb was, was actually on some draft boards. Cody was not on draft boards. Um, we went through all the pros and cons of them coming back. And, you know, when you're able to sit with the player and they really truly listen, um, it's really refreshing because there's not a lot of guys that want to listen. And so I was able to, to sit down with them and say, Hey, you guys, like, here's the, the hard facts at best. One of you probably drafted, maybe, maybe none drafted, maybe both drafted, but it's going to be in the second round. And in reality, if you look at second rounders on average, they play about a hundred NBA games. That's just, a <laughs> that's a fact on average. That's wow a second rounder kind of gets over the course of his career. And if you get a year older, all the agents are going to tell you, you're going to be too old. But I'm going to tell you when you go to training yeah. camp and you're a year older, the only thing the coach is going to care about is can you beat that guy to, to get the 12th or 13th spot? And your age isn't going to matter because you're going to be competing against second, third year G league guys for those last two roster spots. And those guys listen and the, the, the coolest thing ever is going to be this offseason, Brendan, because both those guys, Cody and Caleb, are going to make a lot of money. Um, a lot That's of money. That's great. And it didn't matter that one of them got drafted. Cody got drafted in the second round. Caleb did not get drafted. And now Caleb's going to hopefully be be playing in an NBA championship this year. He might get, he might get a ring. He yeah. might get a <laughs> ring. And certainly his free agent value this offseason, both of them, is going to be really high. Hey, I, I love the style of play you guys play at Arkansas because it's an NBA style, but more importantly, I don't call it an NBA style. It's a winning style. The NBA style now is totally different than when you and I coached. And uh, in, in the NBA, we ran we ran plays so our best players would get shots. Not any freaking guy could get a shot. Uh, and so you run plays where your best players get shots is the way basketball is supposed to be played. Uh, and your guys play hard, and each possession matters. And what you're doing is you're developing pros every year besides great kids off the court. I love that your team this year, and I don't understand. I, I don't follow draft boards too much, but for what I'm understanding, is J.D. Note not considered a high pick? Well, it's, it's, one, it's, it's one of the more it's, – it's crazy because, you know, he's a third-team All-American player. Uh, he's a player that, you know, is one of the best guards in the SEC. He, you know, he went to Portsmouth 
um, coach, and I, I didn't really want him to go to Portsmouth. I felt like, yeah, you know, I didn't. I was surprised him. to see him go. He was yeah. the, he was one. There's only been one other All American that's gone to Portsmouth in the last 20 years, to my research. He's the second one. Um, but he elected wow. to go because he's a competitor, which I really respect. Um, sure. And he went, got hurt after one game. Oh. Um, you know, and, and so he's still trying to recover from an ankle injury, played in the G League camp. Uh, but I think that because of his toughness, because of his inner confidence, um, because he's now learning how to become a point guard, I do think that given the right opportunity, I mean, he might be a guy that uh, goes through the G League and then ends up making an NBA team. But I think that he's got the athletic ability, the talent to play and be a contributor at the NBA level. Yeah, I mean, the way we'd like to play, you know, with I love pick and roll basketball, as you do, uh, but he's he's a big time shot maker in big time times of games uh and he is fearless as far as that sometimes too fearless but you know but 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 he is totally fearless and i thought for me during the whole regular season i thought he was a definite first round pick yep. well, and i ain't wrong on too many players no and you know, you, know, you know better than anybody coach watching this stuff like how many guys can go create their own shot off the bounce anytime they want and that's Anytime. What he, do. he literally, J.D. Note has the gift to go get a shot when a play breaks down. And there's just not many guys at the collegiate level that can do that. So anytime in the college game, it's now changed that there's, you know, a couple of ways of playing. But the teams that, you know, kind of switch everything, it, when, it, when you would put a pick and roll and run your big in there, set a pick, now he's got a center on him. It was over. <laughs> It was over. That guy got crushed. We'll send a thank you note for those guys that switched. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, appreciate it. Hope you got a new job. Yeah, good luck we to you. We need a timeout. Somebody would say, we can't run that play again. They're going to change their coverage. I go, no, we're, we're in college. They're not gonna change their coverage. <laughs> They're not gonna, yeah, they don't know how to do that. No. And uh, so, and then my, my favorite big man in college basketball, the most selfless defender of all time, Please don't tell me that NBA teams don't like him, your big man. I mean, I, I just think he's incredible. Yeah, Jalen Williams, really, really special player. Just love him. Talking about a player that took over 50 charges. Uh, what what the NBA team saw at the, at the NBA Combine was a guy that's an incredible communicator on the floor. Um, it's really interesting, Coach. We, we had uh, Phil Nevin came with Mark Sweeney, a group of former Major League ba Baseball players. They came and watched our training camp um, in late October for a week. And to hear MLB former players talk about Jalen Williams and his leadership on the floor, they didn't know anything about basketball. They might think they do, but they don't. Um, but they just yeah. were mesmerized by the leadership, either in a drill or the leadership – uh, when there was a dead ball or the leadership while we had live ball action going. He's he's a great communicator. Whoever gets him um, at the NBA level is, is going to be really, really happy uh, because he's going to make practices better and game he, he can contribute. He's a, he's, a ten, he's a 10 to 12-year pro in my eyes. You know, uh, I just think he, you know, because of all the things, you know, He's a star. He will be a star in his role. No question. Star in his role. 
And as I tell players when I go, whether it's to OTE Elite or to a college program and speak to all these kids that think they're lottery picks, I'll say, you have to understand 95% of the players in the NBA are role players. 5% at max are stars. And, 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 uh, you know, so if that's why Kyle Korver can be a pro for 12 years, because he can, he has that, as Chuck used to say, he has at least one definable skill. That guy's Jalen Williams has several. And, uh, you know, I just think he's just a special, special kid. I'm, I hope he does incredibly well. Eric, you had a couple of wins this year that were incredible. Uh, I I I used to love watching you guys on uh, Super Tuesdays when I I loved it when Auburn came there and they were number one and Bruce had a great team and and when you guys beat them in your building and I think it was Debo dunked the ball at the buzzer and the freaking fireworks went off I almost fell out of my chair in my office you know it was I I, I and the lights go out in the building I'm saying. Holy shoot! What the hell just happened? It was—it's the best atmosphere I've ever seen in college. It was—it was incredible, and obviously, you know, the job that co- Coach Bruce Pearl's done is incredible, and they yeah. were really, really talented. Obviously, an early lottery pick, whether he goes one, two, or three, Jabari Smith. Um, yeah. But a great game for us, a great environment for us. Um, both teams played really, really hard. I mean, it was there was so little separation throughout that game. I don't think anybody had a lead of more than seven points. I mean, it was um, – that was a game collegiately where every possession for 40 minutes, it felt like an NCAA tournament, you know, sweet 16, elite eight type game, that environment wow. that particular night. Hey, when, when you got to play against Gonzaga as the favorite and, and on the West Coast in your second home out there in the Bay Area, uh, I know the excitement – for that game was incredible. And I'm, I'm saying, please just stay close. Just hang around as Chuck used to say to the end. And, and I'm saying the whole game, shoot, they're going to win me. I think they're going to win. You know, what was that like? Is that, that had to be one of the best games you've ever coached. It really was to be in, you know, we felt like going into the game um, from the moment we knew that we were playing Gonzaga, we just kept talking about guys, we're going to win this game. And, not anything other than, hey, trust me, we are winning this game. You know, here's what we have to do at a high level to win the game. Um, and they, you know, that was a game where we had a little bit more time um, to prepare for, whereas, um, you know, the next game against Duke, it was a shorter time frame for us to prepare for. Yeah. So we had a, a, lot of, a lot of time to prepare. But really, Coach, what we made a decision because the, the – the, the, the magnitude as you advance, that spotlight gets hotter and hotter. And what we did is, you know, we rode trolleys in downtown San Francisco to get away from the game. Uh, we went to the giant stadium um, where they play MLB, and we walked around to get some fresh air, took some pictures on the pitcher's mound. And as much as anything, I wanted to try to prevent myself from adding pressure. And so by doing that and getting away from the game, getting out of the film room, and I was reading about, you know, other teams that were in their hotel room and how focused they were going to be and no distractions and limited cell phone. And I'm like, you know what, we're going to enjoy this thing. Um, And we did. And I thought that 
by loosening the atmosphere, it really helped because I thought our last year at Nevada, we were ranked in the top 10 for 17 straight weeks and we didn't have enough fun. I put too much pressure on the team. I didn't have fun. The staff didn't have fun. Uh, and I'll never do that again. I, I think that there is beauty in kind of loosening the atmosphere. You know, uh, Zach and I, we, we, we talk doing these uh, things to some of the best psychologists in sport. And we have two guys that we really trust. And you're coaching Gen Z young people, you know, that age, not millennials. You're almost still a millennial, but uh, you're Michael and, and Matthew are millennials. All right. But the Gen Z guys, okay. The kids that you're coaching, um, you know, the attention span the one psychologist says is 17 seconds is all that age group can give you. The person that Zach and I trust the most, Dr. Tim Elmore from Atlanta, who's with John Maxwell, he's the best. He says five seconds is the attention span now. I agree with him. So that means one and so, we're allowed one word. Yeah. <laughs> No, it just means like Chuck said, they're not listening to the rest anyway. So, you know, just better make it. But, you, you know, I have a coach that we work with that we consult with. And he'll call me up and he say, I just did a film session. I spoke to the team for an hour and 10 minutes today. It was great. I said, really? I said, how do you know it was great? He said, I felt great afterwards. <laughs> he felt great. Not the players. Well, you know, the great. He, this is the greatest lesson to me. In reality, so obviously, when our assistant coach do their prep or their their film work, um, they make fun of me because I'll start doing the spin wheel, like, "Hey, hurry up!" Like, because you got when you're not talking and you're in the back of the room or the side of the room, and somebody else is talking and presenting, it's like the person talking is always think that the audience is engaged. In reality, like they are, yeah, like yeah. they. But I'm sitting back, I'm watching this thing. It's like. Hey, we don't need film sessions any more than like four to five minutes. Like nobody is listening. Stop. <laughs> you know, and so I'm constantly doing this, you know, and then even when I'm talking, I try to catch myself. Now, sometimes I'll set my phone alarm for like three and a half minutes to alert myself. Like, hey, done, you're done. Time's up, man. Move on. How do you... Um... And I know you, you you don't do anything not planned. Um, and I, I've been noticing I've, you're the best in the world on social media. I I love it every day. Uh, and I and how did you embrace social media as a coach? Where NBA coaches only Steve Kerr will do social media. Yep. And his is more activism, you know, than it is coaching. But you're in there all the time on your team. Yeah, you know. I think one, I got an audience and it's, and it's my recruits um, and, and yeah, my family. Right. So I'm not, I'm not really uh, recruiting to get approval from form uh, from, from SEC coaches or I'm doing, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't think you have that. <laughs> a lot of jealousy, but not a lot of approval. Yeah. So I'm, I'm tweeting for the, for the recruit, for our fan base, mm -hmm. um, yep. you know, for our boosters, um, for alumni, for the student body. Um, but I think for me, it goes way back. You know, my mom's family, 
was in the bottling company. And obviously, you know, yep. when you're in Pepsi, like that means you got, you're a promoter. So I heard my grandfather constantly talking about promotion. My dad was so far ahead <laughs> of his time. Uh, yes, he was. Of his car or our car. If we would go in to grab a McDonald's before I would have a practice, my dad would go to the trunk and pull out a stack of Golden Gopher T-shirts. It'd be the most embarrassing thing in the world. I'm ordering a hamburger, and my dad would be passing out Golden Gopher T-shirts. Um, and then I'd get in the car and be like, Dad, why'd you do that? And he'd go, that's ah, 25 walking billboards. And so to think about his thought process, think about a pregame warm-up in 1970 with people spinning the ball on their fingers, unicyclists, and that was happening at a Big Ten school. Uh, yep. He was fearless in his promotion. He didn't care. I mean, I'm sure Bobby Knight did not like to walk out when Indiana's undefeated oh. team in 1972 or whatever is getting ready to play a team and they're riding unicycles and spinning <laughs> the ball on their fingers. But, um, I was around, in my opinion, one of the greatest promoters ever. And that's why Charlie O. Finley, who owned the Memphis Tams um, and the great owner of the Oakland A's, wanted to hire my dad in the ABA because of all this promotion stuff. So I got to see it firsthand. And, and my job, I look at it, coach, is not only to win games, develop players, develop people, but also to sell out a 20,000-seat arena. That's what I'm, I'm here for. And now at the NBA level, you don't have to worry about That's the marketing department. But at the collegiate level, and just like at Nevada, I told the, the, the athletic director, Doug Newth at the time, we are going to sell out Lawler Events Center and I promise you it's going to happen. And, and, and Hunter and I have talked, and I told him, we will sell out Bud Walton, 20000 If you give me a job and there's 40000 we'll figure out a way to sell out a 40,000-seater room. <laughs> but that is – and that is – and every place you went in the CBA, you sold it out. Home in on the road, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> they were coming to boo your – they were coming to boo your ass on the road. Hey – uh, you're the CEO of the Arkansas Razorbacks and people, and a, a head coach slash CEO. You got a big program. You got a lot of people that work there. How hard is it to manage that? You know, in the CBA, I had no assistant coach. You had one, right? Yep. And, you know, I mean, but, and that was probably the best thing I had. I was, I didn't have anyone to blame, you know, but, you know, and, and, but now you have so many people around. It's like a mini NBA team. How is it to run? It's hard, right? It's hard. And, and uh, you know, I think that because of the way the NBA's changed, that's probably why we have a large staff as well. But I think the biggest thing is communication, uh, quick early meeting, you know, it, 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 to start the day off is really important. So that it, I think you just like a basketball team, if you have seven, eight, nine, whatever you might have, really, really good players. you got to clearly define their roles. It's the same thing with your office. If you don't have clearly defined roles and responsibilities and accountability, then you can't have a large staff. You've got to have a smaller staff. But if you do have uh, great organization skills and everybody knows exactly what's expected of them and then they're held accountable for it, I think you can have a large staff like many of the NBA teams. I mean, I remember, you know, shoot, even – at, in Orlando, I think I was maybe the only guy that was sitting behind the bench at the time. There was you and Tree, Tree Rollins and, and Tom Sterner. But, but now you look behind an NBA bench and there's 15 guys. I don't, 
I don't know who's an assistant. I don't know. That's just the way, it, the makeup of how things have changed. Uh, I would be totally remiss without talking about your recruiting class, second in the nation. And you, uh, just to make the, the people feel good in our year of portal, that you went out and did it with freshmen. You just kicked everyone's ass getting freshmen. And then just to make sure to keep yourself honest, you went and got a few portal guys to make around that team because you lost some really great kids to the pros. Um, what a You have a great excitement in Fayetteville for next year, right? We do. I mean, you know, obviously the preseason stuff, you know, that's come out now is anywhere from, I would say, maybe third or fourth to 10th to based on, um, but, yeah, the recruiting class, six incoming freshmen were really, really excited. I mean, they all bring something different to the table. I think the one thing that, that all of them have is great competitive nature. Um, that was really important to us. And then, obviously, you're right, Coach. We we did bring in some, some transfers that I think are really going to have a big impact as well. We feel like we got a great blend of young players as well as some veteran players or some more experienced players. And, I think that's what you need. You've got to have a blend. You don't want uh, too many young guys, too many older guys. And and the thing that's made us a little bit unique is we haven't had anybody really um, that's been with us use that extra year of college because I do think it's important for a lot of guys to get their start at the pro level. And, and Justin Smith and Jalen Tate, those two guys a year before could have come back but they got their start, whether it's overseas, whether it's in the G League, because um, because like you do have a short window to play pro ball, and and um, yep. you know rather than you know maybe what's selfish for a for a program is to get guys back an extra year, but sometimes it really benefits guys to go a little bit earlier uh, to start their pro career, because because as you know, if you start at a certain level in Europe you probably got to use a year or two to try to take the next jump uh, to another level in Europe or another higher country. So um, we, sure. we haven't had a lot of guys that have used that extra COVID year, uh, but I think it'll benefit those guys long, the long term of their careers. Well, I know you're excited to work with it. Nothing like working with a, a new group of guys to form a team. And I know you're the best at forming that culture and stuff like that, but as always, I appreciate it. I'm grateful for our friendship and also, you know, just to catch up with you and so proud of you and so proud of you and love your family and everything for what they're doing. And uh, I never thought I'd see my, my beach guy, my West Coast and my Florida beach guy find a home in Fayetteville like this, boy. You are adapted beautifully. No, so I'm proud of you, man. You know what? It's so true, too, because, I mean, San Diego <laughs> is uh, – I mean, that's home. Yeah. And I yep. have so many friends that come here and they're like, man, I can't believe like, you know, you grew up by the beach and your mom's living there and, and you're in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and you're having so much fun. And, and we are, we love it here. And, and, and uh, it's great. It's a great place to be. Well, thank you, my friend. And thank you so much for sharing. I know all the coaches are going to love this brother. Thank you so much. Thanks coach. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Incredible session with Mus. Uh, I worked with him. I coached against him. I've known him and his family for years. Knew his dad. Uh, every time I talk, which is often, I, I learn something from him. He is the ultimate learner, and that's why he's such a great coach. Uh, so I, I thought it'd be a real treat for you. And also, 
you know, that's what this is about. This is about you getting better, you learning, uh, you bringing back to your team or to your head coach if you're an assistant to be better the next year. So I want to make sure that I invite you to do a couple of things. Number one, uh, come to, if you can, take July 9 and 10, come out to Vegas, learn from some of the best coaches in the world. The great author, John Gordon, will be there. Ettore Messina, the best coach in Europe, as well as NBA coaches galore. Okay, learn from them about the game and about life and about, you know, just the things that make a difference in winning and losing and in development of a team. Uh, that'll be July 9 and 10. Uh, make sure you sign up for that. And then I'm ha we're having a lot of basketball coaches now that say, you know what? I'd like to try to get to the next level. I'd like to be in the NBA. I'd like to go in. I don't mind. I'd, I'd sacrifice. I'll go in as a video guy. I'll go in as a scout. Uh, I want to learn. I want to be in a front office. I want to dream about becoming a player development guy, or I want to be a player personnel guy, or I want to be a general manager or like Tim Conley, who's been at our event many times, you know, became the president, you know, of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So just fabulous opportunity. That is going to be our front office training camp Monday and Tuesday, July 11 and 12 at Planet Hollywood in Vegas. Absolutely spectacular program. You will learn from the best of the best in the NBA, the G League, Europe, all kinds of people, men and women. If you're a woman and want to go and get in the NBA, the opportunities for you are incredible. Okay. Eric Spolster started out in the video room. He's coaching now. You know, so, I mean, this is an incredible thing for you to learn. We're trying to make this opportunity for those of you so you can fulfill your dreams. Go to coachingyoulive.com forward slash 2022 to get more info. Also, for those that have, you know, we've, we've put out a soft launch of our new, uh, the thing I, I'm just so, you know, Zach and I are so proud of, you know, you know, a, a membership site so that you can learn coaching you plus and coaching you plus is about all the content that we've done over the 13, 14 years we've been in existence, learning from the best coaches around putting in new content, every month, you know, so that you'll be a better coach. And right now you can get it for $7 and 99 cents a month. Imagine that. As I said to a coach the other day, he said, how do I use it? You every day you form your own clinic to learn. You listen to whoever you want every day to get better. There's nothing better than that. At the end of a book, when you read a book, book is over. This thing never ends. It's a journey for you to learn. Uh, coachingyouplus.com, coachingyouplusplus.com for more info on that. Seven ninety nine, can't miss it. Follow us on social media, you know, at coaching you, at coaching underscore you, and you know, again, I look forward. I hope to see you in Vegas again. Uh, you know, till next week. This is the coach Brendan Sir. Thanks for listening.